Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Well, if they're trying to figure out their passion, like they don't have a clue of what they're going to do or, or in life, and they're like blindly searching, just try everything. Um, I really truly believe that one of the greatest gifts that you can have is experience. You know what I mean? Like go to an exotic place on the map, go, go find, you know, find a way to like talk to strangers or, or buy a motorcycle or, you know, like explore the things that you love and, but don't stay in your comfort zone. So, hello everybody. Welcome to the Doozy Days podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Narduzzi, and today I have Alan, the storyteller, here. <laughs> um, this guy is pretty cool. He's into making all kinds of film. Uh, he's writer, director, actor. He's all over the board, and um, so I'm really excited for you guys to meet him. And he's actually going to introduce himself and give you a quick intro into who he is. Hi guys, uh, my name is Alan Sonier. I'm a storyteller first and foremost, but I'm also a pre predominantly a filmmaker. Uh, I've been making uh, films and telling stories for about 30 years now. Uh, my company's name is 11 Entertainment Studios and we spell 11 with the number 11 in 11. Uh, it sounded like a really good idea when I when I named my company, and now it's just been like I have to explain it every time I say the name of the company. Um, but uh, I've been I've been telling stories my whole life, whether it was on the internet or writing novels or making movies or TV shows, and um, I've I've just dove into that pretty much my whole life, my adult life. I uh, I started my 100% film career in 1999. I quit my last day job and I've been, been working ever since. And just recently I've started to dive kind of into the advertising aspect of uh, marketing and campaigning for businesses out there to help them market their companies. So that's been a fun new little adventure as well. That's awesome. So what got you started in uh, the film industry? Uh, it's kind of a funny story, and um, it's probably not a good role model story for teenagers going through high school, but um, my buddy and I, we were in this, this English class one day, and we had a substitute teacher, and we knew whatever we were doing that day wasn't going to end up on an exam or be for graded or anything, so we decided to skip school. We shuffled out of school. We rented a movie. Uh, and the movie was called Invaders. It was like this sci-fi, cheesy, like 80s techno garbage movie it was so bad the alien had like a, a basically a motorcycle helmet and a fire retardant suit and he came out of the back of what was clearly a transport truck trailer when a smoke machine and some lights and we were just like this is so bad we could do a better movie than this and then my buddy suggested that we rent a video camera a old vhs camcorder at the time and make a movie and we did it. We rented a movie over the course of a weekend or the, the camera over the course of the weekend and we shot the worst movie ever made. It was just so bad. Um, it was called Mike, Military Intelligence Killing Experiment. And it was kind of like Frankenstein meets Terminator. And he just malfunctions and kills like this onslaught of people that get in his way till eventually he goes after the lab assistant who manages to destroy him, who was my little brother. And, uh, 
it, it was just, it was in addition to having to be edited while we filmed it, because we just had to roll back the tape if we made a mistake. Uh, we had continuity errors. We, we did ridiculously stupid stunts, 16 year old kids jumping off of the roof of their parents' house into a tiny little pool. And it, it was just, it was awful. And the acting was just atrocious. Um, but I fell in love with making movies. And ever since then, I've just been filming any chance I can get. If, if I have an idea for a story, I have to write it down. Uh, if I find enough people who like the idea for the story, we usually film a movie. And uh, it's, it's just been a roller coaster ride ever since. Wow, that is so awesome. <laughs> that is the coolest thing ever. Um, and it's a really great way to start off is just like making a mistake um you know and re realizing that you still enjoy it and you're like well I can do that better <laughs> and yeah yeah you, you know you're in for trouble when you do something really bad but you can't stop doing it <laughs> <laughs> so you just I, I'm hoping I'm way better as a storyteller now than I was back then I guess time will tell yeah well yeah you were just saying earlier that you've been working on um like a vampire series which I think is super cool because I actually um, was super into the Mortal Instruments, um, which is like this whole, um, it, has, it has werewolves, vampires, everything like that in it. And that was, that was my favorite book series. Um, so super cool that you're working on something like that. And how, how did you get into like that area of um, film? It's kind of an interesting story. So, um... When I was 16 years old, um, I was homeless. So I was actually kicked out of my house. And that's a whole nother backstory. And rather than sleeping on the streets, I used to ride my bike out into the wilderness and I would sleep in fields. I'd make a campfire and I'd sleep next to the campfire. I'd get up, I'd go to school, and then I'd go to my day job or my part-time job, pardon me. And I would save up enough money for first and last month's rent. Um, it was a very difficult time in my life as you can imagine just being homeless and, and not having any money and I didn't have a tent or a sleeping bag I was just kind of like surviving in the clothes I had on um and one night I was sleeping by the campfire and I had this dream that a vampire visited me at my campsite and she was going to just basically kill me and, and feed off of me and then she took pity on me because I was surviving out in the wilderness so she made me into a vampire and when I woke up I was like that's cool and so I started writing this series and it started off very basic it was just like a, a vampire and a vampire hunter kind of story and it grew and grew and I actually the very first time I ever shot it it was 19 I think it was 1999 and I shot the first act just as a, a test run to see if I could shoot it and we loved making it but the problem was it was 1999. The visual effects were all had to be practical effects. And, and at the time I was just starting off. So I didn't have equipment or money or anything. And after shooting the first act, I just realized there's no way I was going to be able to afford to shoot this. So I put it on the back burner. I thought, okay, if I have a hundred million dollars one day, I'm going to make this movie. But instead of making the movie, I just started writing novels. So 13 novels later, I have the entire series planned out and it's much later in my career. I am, you know, I'm, I'm well versed in visual effects software and I can do all that kind of stuff now. You know what, if I'm going to make this vampire series at any point, I better start doing it now. So in 2019, I wrote down the first season of the Chronicles of Blood. It's called Martyrs of the Chronicles of Blood. 
and I started shooting it and it's just been an absolute like dream come true. It's been so much fun. Um, it's funny because when I started shooting in 1999, um, I had done a little bit of acting and I always wanted to be a part of the films in that way. And I played a character, this 18 year old hot-headed vampire hunter who was brave and, and daring, but kind of foolhardy. And um, 20 years later, I'm not 18 anymore. I can't play the same character. <laughs> I, I, I've been told I look young for my age, but I really don't think I could pull off 18. So, <laughs> um, so I started looking at other characters I could play and I decided I would be playing Ambrose, who is the first vampire. He's a dark and somber character and he's tortured and suffering. And I thought, yeah, this character, I could fit in a lot better. And it was just a far more interesting character. I had grown up, the character was more complex. It just seemed like a better fit. So it just kind of all meshed together. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been so much fun playing a vampire. I, I've always loved vampires, so that was, that was fun. So what I plan to do is when we finish the series, which we're very close to being done, um, I'm gonna release the books as I release the series and hopefully they'll perpetuate each other, which is the game plan. Wow, that's awesome. So, um, so it's all connected. Do you have 13 books, you said? 13 novels wrapped around the novels? vampire series from start to finish. And it's funny because I'm, I'm not a religious person and I have nothing against religion or anything. Like if you want to be religious, that's great. Yeah. But I used religion and I actually researched religion very, very thoroughly to help tell this story. So it's like the epic battle between heaven and hell and the vampires and the vampire hunters are like the pawns in this massive universal struggle between good and evil. And the vampires have to serve the forces of evil and the uh, vampire hunters serve the forces of good. And there's a, a mesh of what is good and what is bad and con contemplates ethics and morality at the same time as it's just a fun vampire series where you're also seeing magic and you know all the typical vampire stuff. So yeah. Wow. Well, that's exciting. I mean, I, I probably will watch and read that because that's like exactly the kind of stuff that I like too. And I know people who will also enjoy that. So that's super cool. I hope so. Well, if you do want to check out the trailer, the actual trailer is out right now. So um, oh. if you go to our YouTube channel or our, our main um, webpage, it's 11entertainment.com. Uh, and it's like E11, E-V-E-N, and then entertainment.com. And you can, you can check out the trailers there and a lot of my other stuff as well. Wow, super cool. I can link that in the description too. So anybody listening or watching the video, they can find all those links there as well. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. And I, I wanna know more about how you got started in actually creating uh, Eleven Entertainment. How did that come So, about? So yeah, for sure. Um, so when I, was, when I was a film, like a, a brand new filmmaker, uh, I was working at a restaurant and I was filming music videos and, and little stupid, goofy films. It was just kind of like a hobby at that point. And um, then I got a, a, a job after I graduated high school and I couldn't afford to go to university. Um, I had just been homeless and I started my first business at 18 and I, I didn't really know what to do with myself. So I just bought the university books because my friends were going to film school. I thought, you know what, I can... I can buy what they're they're reading and at least learn on my own. So I would like basically learn everything I possibly could about filming because I couldn't afford to go down to Hollywood. Toronto was still very tiny in comparison as far as the film industry was concerned at the time. So I was like, I'm just gonna have to learn how to do this on my own. So I, I would dabble with 
the camera work and then the the acting the stunt work the writing the directing the costume design like i i really i didn't have much help at the time it was just my friends acting in it but when it came to the production side of things i was doing almost all of it myself so i learned how to make armor and i learned how to make weapons look real and and um i'm in this tiny town i'm, I'm sure you're familiar with because i actually grew up your neck of the woods you're in kitchener am i correct which is waterloo um i was actually at the time visiting okay kitchener. i'm in markham oh okay so uh, anyways i grew up in the cambridge kitchener area and yeah. we filmed in that entire area all the time so uh there wasn't much else to do um in cambridge so i just focused on that and then after several years working in a like a warehouse um I, I realized my boss was like you're not getting i wasn't getting any promotions but meanwhile i was working my butt off and productivity was good and i sat down with him I'm like why are you not promoting me like i am i'm doing everything that everybody else is doing and they're getting promoted he's like well al you told me you wanted to be a filmmaker i'm like well yeah that's kind of true he's like well if i promote you then somebody else isn't going to be able to do well in their career and if you're going to leave anyways and i'm like oh my god you're right i think i better quit so on the spot i quit and i didn't know what i was going to do it was like this really like kind of like dive into the darkness in this giant abyss and i'm like okay i guess i need to start finding clients to film stuff so i actually started filming music videos and weddings and commercials and it was very tough getting started was tough i filmed a couple of music videos but like it was not a lot of money i barely made enough to get by i was going through all my savings and then uh it got down to this one point where i was eating a spoonful of peanut butter a day and that was all i could afford to eat at the time and i got this one pitch meeting to basically one of the very first companies to sell their products online. This is back when the internet was new, <laughs> back in like 1999. Um, and so I, I didn't, I didn't have enough money to get to to St. Catharines where the meeting was. And the only person who could drive me was my friend Robin. And so she's like, I can drive you the night before, but I can't drive you the morning of the meeting. So she drove me down the night before. I walked around St. Catharines the entire night. And I encountered this like terrifying uh, homeless guy wearing sunglasses in like this trench coat in the park. It was, it was like an adventure. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I hope I get this because I don't know how I'm getting back home. <laughs> so, um, and I did this pitch. I said, I want to shoot commercials for you and sell your products online. I got all the equipment I need. I'm tech savvy so I can upload all the stuff. And he, he signed me. I got a year contract right there. And so I went out, uh, I got the deposit. I went out, I bought a real meal, real meal, had a nice big fat dinner. And, uh, and then I got to work and I just kind of built my company up from there. Um, and then I created an actor's group and it was like a training facility for actors, but instead of like a, a normal facility where you would go down and I would give you a scene for you to prepare and, and do in front of the class, Instead, I would write, shoot, and edit a movie with the, whoever signed up for that, that course, and we would put it in a movie theater by renting it out, and you can invite your friends and family. We'd sell copies of the DVDs and posters and movie and popcorn and all that stuff, and um, it was really remarkable. We had 150 people join in the first three weeks of opening, so we had like three years of movies we had to make. So for three years, I shot 46 films 
and it was every type of genre from children's comedies to suspense thrillers and dramas and romances and it was just an amazing opportunity for me to cut my teeth as a storyteller and try all these new things without really taking any any risks but the problem was as a as a training group, I couldn't market those films in a traditional way because it would be exploitative. So um, instead, uh, I just closed up the group. And at that point, I started making independent films on my own. And I haven't really looked back. I've been making, I, since then, I've made like five or six movies and a couple pilots for TV shows. And, and it's just been a wild ride ever since. Wow, that is insane. You've done so much. And it's cool oh, that no. you like, walk around St. Catharines and like got the pitch. I feel like a lot of, a lot of, you have like the true entrepreneurial spirit in you. Like everything that you've done, you just like, you bought the textbooks from, <laughs> you couldn't go to the school, but you bought the textbooks and studied. You started up your own small company. You took every opportunity that you could and and it worked out for you. And like, you're just, seems like you're doing so well with all the stuff that you've been able to accomplish. And you probably made so many people's lives like better and like helped them with that group. I hope so. You know, we, I always try to like involve, I, I try to be the person that I didn't have when I was 16 years old. So I run co-op programs for universities and colleges and high schools. Uh, when I ran the actors group, we actually started a social services um, joint effort where we could train people on welfare to get them back into the industry, giving them new skills. And, and we got, uh, we actually got a sponsorship from Conestoga College. They loaned us a ton of equipment while we were filming and using their students as co-op students. And we even got a sponsorship from Rogers Cable, which was because his son was in one of our movies. And um, it, it was, it's just, it was great. And don't get me wrong. Like, um, in every industry that you're in, you you meet people that are just incredible and awesome to work with. And then, of course, you also meet people that are a pain in your ass, yeah. to put it lightly. And that's just the way things go, right? But like, I think fundamentally, my outlook on any, any challenge that I face is that it's a learning experience. Um, it makes you better at what you do. If you, if you view it as an obstacle as a, as a, teaching method or a, a process of improving then it's not so hard to face you can you can kind of like go okay we got this thing that most people would just say oh i guess we can't do it as an independent filmmaker you run into that every single day you're like oh well we don't have any money for this shot or like for example one time one of our actors uh she was in a relationship and the the guy she was dating at the time was very jealous and she didn't like the fact, or he didn't like the fact that she was acting and she was like, what is this movie? What are you, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And so she was just having such a hard time during the production. She was on the phone with him every single day fighting. So in the end, she actually, I just told her, listen, just drop out. It's okay. We'll figure out what to do. And we had to rewrite pages and pages of stuff. I sat down for 20 minutes. We wrote stuff. Like I wrote stuff really quickly. We had a military helicopter, two hot rod cars, and a limousine within an hour. And we shot the whole new version of what we had written. It was just like this kind of thing where you're like, you either figure out a way or you're defeated. And in the independent film world, that's like a day-to-day -day routine. So if you're not versatile, if you're not um, creative enough, you're, you're just gonna be dead in the water. So um, yeah, you gotta kind of just 
figure it out and not give up. And, and this industry is already hard enough as it is. Like the, they say one in 10,000 actors can make a living in this industry, not be a star, just make a living. And if you think about it, like as far as like careers go, it's easier to be a surgeon than a successful actor. So as an actor, you have to put in that time, the same amount of time a surgeon would put in for his career or her career. And then you have to learn as much and, and practice as much and volunteer as much and, and put in all that effort as much as a surgeon would do it in order for you to be successful. Now, yeah, there are cases where, you know, a seven-year-old walks off the street and, and becomes a movie star overnight, but like, that's like winning the lottery. That doesn't yeah. happen very often. And, you know, you'll hear a lot of actors, like, well, I hear a lot of actors say, oh, that's so discouraging. But like, no, you now have a roadmap of what you have to do to be successful, or at least part of a roadmap. You know that it's going to take hard work. And if you're thinking you're just going to be a movie star overnight, then it's kind of a uh, illusion that you've created and you're only going to have heartbreak when you fail so um first and foremost love what you do because yeah. if you even if you fail at doing it you're still winning because you love what you do and i always try to keep that in mind when i'm like facing like financial burdens or i'm i don't get the sets or i don't have the camera equipment that i want or you know what i mean like i'm working with people that are are new to the industry and i have to like allow for extra time for them to learn the steps and and i think to myself well i'm still making a movie the worst day making a movie is a better day working in a warehouse yeah you know what i mean or, you know what i mean so, like it's it's the best day working in a warehouse is not even close to the worst day making a movie is, is more or less what i'm trying to say so so you just gotta you gotta kind of keep that in mind that what you're doing if you're if you love what you're doing then you're winning every day anyways even if it's not working out the way you want it to yeah, absolutely. And if you love what you do, then you're more likely to want to continue even when you hit a roadblock or when something comes up. Yeah. And, and like those roadblocks start to become fun because it's and that's what, another great thing about filmmaking is every day the challenge is something new. Like there's always like, OK, we got to worry about lighting. We got to worry about time of day and money and talent and all that kind of stuff. But then you also have like the strange weird guy that won't leave your set and you got to call the police or like you got to convince them that they're in the shot or you like say, hey, why don't you be in the scene? And then they leave, they get bored because you're like getting them to do the lines 50 times. Like crazy stuff like that happens, right? So like I have a million stories. There was a time I almost got shot in the face oh when I was filming in California. Like, like it's just like insanity. Like, but at the same time, it's fun you're like wow and nine times out of ten there's no danger but i mean like <laughs> the, on one time you're like whoa the cops showed up and thought we were drug dealers for some reason <laughs> <laughs> that's insane that's yeah. like exhilarating though that you get to live that kind of like you never know what you're gonna get kind of day um and it seems so exciting and you can tell that you're filled with passion with, with, <laughs> you know i can just tell the way you, you, you just it rolls off your tongue um, it's super cool that you're so into that. And when, if you were to give some advice to somebody who was trying to like find their way, uh, like if they were lost and they were like trying to figure out their passion, like, what do you think you would suggest that they would do? Well, if they're trying to figure out their passion, like they don't have a clue of what they're going to do or, or in life and they're like blindly searching, just try everything. Um, I really truly believe that one of the greatest gifts that you can have is experience. You know what I mean? Like 
go to an exotic place on the map go go find you know find a way to like talk to strangers or or buy a motorcycle or you know like explore the things that you love and but don't stay in your comfort zone you got to kind of go out and and when i first started this industry i didn't i i was a horrible actor like just the worst and i only ever was in my movies because i was like i don't have anybody else to play this guy and, and so I would don the costume, I'd get through the scene as fast as possible, and then I'd go back to directing. And so I was like, okay. But then one day I was short, I was teaching a person how to be a cinematographer, actually. And rather than like just giving them the technical stuff, I said, well, let's shoot a movie. And it was like three o'clock in the morning and we were talking. He's like, okay, let's, let's write something really quick. And I was the only subject that he could film. So I was acting. And it was the story of like a bunch of clones and this one clone I was playing had like all these different personalities and I had to be like the artistic type and the psychopath and the intellect and, and the, the, you know, the, the bully. And I had all these different people and I had to play all these different personalities. And I was like, oh my God, acting is amazing. And I fell in love with acting. And it was just, it was like this eye-opening experience, but I, I was out of my comfort zone. I didn't know if I ever wanted to do it, but I kind of threw myself in anyway. And, you know, you, you try these things, you don't expect what's going to come out of them, but like, that's half the adventure. And so like, you got to kind of just go, oh, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to like this or not, but who cares? I'm going to try it. And what's the worst that could happen? You embarrass yourself. That's, that's pretty easy to brush off. But like, you think about what's to lose. Like, if you don't try new things, you're stuck doing the same thing for the rest of your life like that. I don't know. I don't want to live a life like that. Um, and then once you find your passion, even if you suck at it, like I did when I first started, you just dedicate time and effort. And I, I can't remember where I heard it, but somebody once said, if you do something for 15 minutes every single day for the first week, you double that time every week after that. So 30 minutes, to 60 minutes, by the time you get up to an hour a day, you're a master at it. And so I, I really, like, I, I try to tackle new things. I learn new software. I'm constantly out of my wheelhouse and, and exploring what to do. And yeah, you'll make mistakes. It'll be, it'll be an experience. So go away and just try as much stuff as possible. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I agree. I actually have that tattooed on my arm. It says, don't get too comfortable. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Like, um, you you've only got yourself to blame if you go through life and you and you don't you know you don't ever go on these little adventures and they don't have to be like oh i'm gonna go climb mount everest people yeah. have done that people die if you're afraid of dying go climb mount everest but if you're <laughs> like you know what would be really cool is to hike an escarpment and a lot of people don't do stuff like that they'll just sit home and stay on the internet or watch tv or or meet friends for drinks the same week after week after week and it's like okay uh, it's time to, it's time to break out. You gotta, you gotta experience life because when you're 90, that's when you'll be wishing you did, but it's too late. Yeah, exactly. I always, I agree. I think when people look back, what they remember is the relationships of, with people, places, and not so much things, you know, it's, yeah. it's where did you go? What did you see? And like the most human experiences, it's like the feelings that are the most exhilarating. And I always find like the most exciting things are always past your comfort zone like the moment you step past that and break out of it then like the whole world opens up and like this totally. whole new idea this whole new world and you're like whoa like I didn't know I could do this I didn't know that was possible 
Um, and then you just start saying like, even though it's not true, but I say nothing is impossible and you just do it anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. I think also stop worrying what people are going to say about you. Like if you think about, I, I always use this little, little metaphor. It's like, okay, well, think of the most famous person you knew from the 1930s. You probably can't name five. No. Right? Um, you probably can't even name the name of your great-grandfather or grand, grand, grandmother. People have a short memory. Live your life how you want to. They're going to forget. They're gonna not, no one's going to care. The only person who cares about what other people think are you. So if you stop caring about what people think and just act the way you want to act, be the way you want to be, live the life you want to live, you're going to be so much happier. So that I think that stops a lot of people from kind of going out and being adventurous is because they're like, well, you know, like, for example, one of my actors uh, just said recently, because um, she's, she's uh, helping develop a movie she's like her mother saw the script and was like why are you doing this what is, how is this going to benefit you and she was like I, I'm, I'm trying to build a career i, I gotta go out of the normal routine of going to an agent waiting for the right role to come along like she's creating an opportunity for herself but like she was discouraged by her own family member and like i think a lot of times we worry a lot about the people who are around us who are what are they going to think or what are they going to say and you just once you start to let go of that you find this liberating feeling of saying you know what i can do whatever i want and i don't need permission to do it i don't need somebody to say go try that you can just go try it and if you if you live in an environment where people are negative about what you just just don't tell them like yeah. it's none of their business if if they're going to be negative just go out and do the positive stuff on your own and you don't have to share it with them if, if this just going to be discouraging so yeah like just don't don't let anybody say no to you. Yeah, that's that's huge. Because at the end of the day, it's your your story, it's your path, and like other people are only going to project how they're feeling and what they think onto you. But that's their life. That's their problem. Yeah. And, and they have the liberty to live however they want. Good exactly. for them, and and let them be happy in their own environment. But like, yeah. don't let that stop you from being happy either. Yeah. No, I love that. That's really great. Um, and. I have another question. What's, what is something that was like, like the worst relationship you had with a person, place or thing that has now shaped you the most or helped you the most? It's going to sound bad. And like, obviously I'm, I would never encourage this behavior, but when I was younger, um, my, my family went through like this really bad financial time and um, the reason I left home is because my father became abusive. Uh, he used to emotionally abuse my brother and physically abuse me. He'd like, throw me downstairs, punch me in the face, all that kind of stuff. And at the time, I was, I would say I was very short-sighted. I saw everything that bad happened in my life. I would say it was because I had bad luck or this person did this and that happened to me and it wasn't my fault. And then um, I stood up for myself against my father and uh, I hit him back actually. And that was the day I got kicked out. So, <laughs> um, and it was such an interesting feeling cause um, uh, not to get too dark, but like it's over now, everything's okay now. But like at the time um, he was hitting me on a regular basis, he was drinking a lot. And I decided that I was gonna start working out and I was gonna stand up for myself one day. And I started doing lots of push-ups and prepping and waiting almost almost excited for the day that he was going to hit me again. And he hit me and I hit him back. And 
it, it was almost like a like a miraculous moment because I didn't know my own strength and I hit him and he flew across the room, like literally across the room. And he almost hit his head on the fireplace. And I was like, did I just do that? And then he came back and kept hitting me, but I was so stunned the fact that he had, that I had done that. And I was able to like actually be a force to be reckoned with. And he kicked me out. And it was during those five months where I was homeless. I almost froze to death. I almost starved to death. It was this, I almost gave in. Um, it was during those times where I decided that I was no longer going to blame the rest of the world for all the things that had happened. That if something happened in my life that went negatively, I was going to take responsibility for it. I was going to try to learn from it and try to figure out how to take those negative situations and basically grow and not let it happen again. So if, for example, if somebody stole something from me, I would learn to be more secure in my possessions. If somebody took advantage of my, my kindness or was cruel to me and I let it happen, and I felt crappy, then it's because I let it happen. And um, that really changed who I was as a person. And, and from that point forward, like I said, I started my own business. I taught myself how to be a filmmaker. I worked a way to get investors and find contracts and, and do the things that I love. And and, you know, it's a lesson that you kind of have to keep repeating over and over again, because there was a time where when I fell in love with being an actor, um, I let somebody say to me, well, Al, you star in your all, all your own movies and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I guess that looks bad. I guess I should stop doing it. And for like 10 years, I stopped acting altogether because I thought people are going to think of me as this director who stars in his own movie and self-serving. I'm like, it looks bad. It's not professional. And then I then after a while, I was like, who am I trying to impress? Like at the end of the day, I miss acting. I want to do it. So I just started acting in my movies again. And I showed up on time. I knew the character, at least one actor I got along really well with. <laughs> um, and I was willing to, like, I've, I've done stunts. I've jumped off of moving cars. I've gone through car windshields and buildings and uh, jumped off cliffs. Like uh, um, I, I didn't have to risk anybody else's life. I could do it all on my own. And I knew what I was capable of. And so it just kind of changed my whole perspective of saying, you know what, take responsibility for yourself. And when you make mistakes, claim those mistakes, take that responsibility. And rather than saying, Oh, it's that guy's fault or it's this guy's fault. It's my fault. If somebody doesn't show up for set, I'm the one who cast them. So I'm the reason that person didn't show up. I didn't do my homework. Well, I didn't pick up on the flaws or the, or the, the situation. I didn't read it right. And I should have. And now I know, Although I have, uh, I'm the one who's responsible for it. I also have the power to fix it. So it's it's this really liberating thing when you start doing that. You take that responsibility. So you know that's kind of my life lesson that I learned from being homeless. And the, the my father, who inadvertently taught me that lesson, in in a not so great way to teach it. And I, I would never obviously encourage people, hey, abuse your kids so they learn valuable lessons. <laughs> but <laughs> the idea is that like you can take this horrible thing and make it into something good. Yeah, no, that is, that is amazing. I love that so much. Uh, there was something, a quote I read in a book and it was the day you graduate from childhood to adulthood is the day you take 100% responsibility for your life. And it, it stuck with me too, just like exactly like you said. Um, it sticks with me as well, because I used to be like, why can't I keep friends? Why can't I do this? Why, why is this happening to me? And then you start to realize that it's happening for you 
um, totally you know, it happens for you. And like when you just make that shift, um, then life starts to be a lot more exciting because you're like, okay, so that really shitty thing happened to me. Um, but what what did I learn from it, and how can I grow and change and avoid that from happening again? I know, and it, and once you start to do that shift, it's like everything just changes for you so quickly, and you're like, wow, it's so much easier. Yeah. You know, I I, I had this experience. My my parents' neighbor, um, his brother died of a heart attack, and the next day he died of a heart attack, and then his wife had a heart attack and survived, all within three days because of the stress. And so I started doing all this research and it turns out that stress, when viewed negatively, can actually increase your chance of just dying. However, the studies that they did, if you view stress as a positive thing, your chance of dying is zero. It doesn't affect your health at all, but it's all based off your perspective. So if you, if you keep that, that attitude that stress is good it's making you better it's honing your skills it's turning you into this like superstar yeah. then you will survive without a scratch maybe not without a scratch but you'll survive it and you you don't have this terrible burden on your shoulder that, that could cause you real physical harm so so yeah like change your perspective it's such a it's such a powerful tool but like you know it's it's hard to do and, yeah. and it does take years it took me five months of sleeping in fields and there was one night I was so cold. I was sleeping so close to the fire that sparks would land on my shirt and catch me on fire. And I have to wake up and put myself out. And oh my it was God. miserable. It was so miserable. And I remember thinking, this is horrible. And this one night um, I was freezing. I had used all the firewood in the area, except for this one tree that had a big branch at the top of the tree. And so I'm like, okay, I got to climb a tree at three o'clock in the morning and use it for firewood. And I climb this tree, it's three o'clock in the morning. I've got this branch, I'm holding onto it. I'm yanking it to try to break it off. And the tree is swaying back and forth. And I'm like yelling at three o'clock in the morning, break you, stupid. And I'm screaming. And it was at that moment, it broke and I realized if I was an outsider observing this ridiculous moment of desperation and patheticness and like rock bottom, absolute misery, it was actually kind of funny. And I just started laughing and I'm at the edge of this lake and you can hear my laughter echoing across the water. And I'm like, it's all uphill from here. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. It's going to get better. It can't, I'm at the bottom of my rope. Like what else is there except for death? So <laughs> yeah. And from that point forward, I just started having a sense of humor about everything as well. And like that, that just helped a lot too. That's a big thing that actually helped me as well. I used to, I noticed this cause I used to be like severely depressed and then everything that made me sad kind of shifted and then it just made me angry. And I would just yeah. get mad and unreasonably throw things and be like, what am I doing? And then I started laughing. I was like, why am I throwing the dishes in the sink? Like, well, this is not, this is ridiculous. Yeah, this is only hurting me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, now it's making things worse for me. And so um, I, like, I'm getting splashed. I'm soaked and I'm more mad. And then I just kind of stop and just start laughing. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And so now stressful situations, situations, I mean, where I probably shouldn't even be laughing because I probably like, 
insane. Um, you know, I, I just laugh and, and you look at it like, this is a growing experience. Um, you know, the crazier I look, you know, maybe it's a story for someone else to tell someday and that's okay too. But it's yeah. just um, not letting, like, like anger. I think one thing I've learned is the biggest waste of energy, right? It gets you kind of nowhere. So I just try to eradicate it and waste. And like, I'll allow myself to be angry for less than a minute when something happens. And then after that, I'm like, okay, well, what does it serve me to continue to be angry? Um, yeah. It doesn't. So now I, I just say, can I fix it? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Then fix it. No. Okay. Then move on or find someone who can fix it. I, I find that like when I was younger, I used to get angry very quickly. And now I'm very, very slow to anger. I, I now know that, okay, anger is kind of a useless emotion. It can serve you well if you get angry about like your life needing to change and you need motivation to get your butt back to the gym or whatever it is. But um, getting angry at people or situations, I always find it's very counterintuitive. And I, I've had actors, you know, like for example, one actor who became a very good friend of mine uh, actually gave me my dog. So <laughs> um, turned out really well, but he, he had, he had been scheduled for a Sunday and he didn't have transportation coming from Toronto. So he was six hours late and he walks on set expecting me to be furious with him. And he's like screaming. He's like, I, I, there wasn't a bus. I had no way to get here. I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. You're okay. I didn't know that, but now we know for next time. And he's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and it was fine. And like, it, it just, it got to that point, but like 10 years prior, I probably would have screamed at him yeah. because I just, I didn't learn that lesson. And I, I always tell people like, you know, they're like, well, why don't I know this yet? Why haven't I figured it out? Like, well, we all seem to learn the same lessons, but we all just kind of learn them in a different order. So, you know, just be patient with yourself. You're, you don't, nobody's perfect. You're, it's going to take a long time for you to be the best version of your, that you're going to be. And when you get to that person, you're going to have a better idea of what you want to be 10 years down the road. So go easy on yourself, but at the same time, take responsibility and have a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like that's, that couldn't have said it better myself. Like it's, it's so simple when it comes down to it. Um, and it seems so complicated when you're looking at it from the outside, but it's really just, um, yeah, just take a second and just be like, okay, what can I do differently? Um, to just grow in this moment. And, and when something stressful is happening, I usually ask myself, like, it could be like, literally feel like the whole world's crashing. I'm gonna be like, what is this trying to teach me? And I, I don't know who I'm talking to, I'm just like yelling it out to the sky. So I'm like, what is this trying to teach me, this situation? Yeah. And yeah. that question and shapes the way that I see things now. I think another thing that really changed like who I am as a person and who I was, um, when I was going through school, I, I wasn't a fan of school. I didn't like learning the things that they told me that I had to learn. And um, once I discovered that I actually really love learning new things, it's just I like to learn things as they come to me. So like I'll, I'll research. I, don't, I actually only get about four hours of sleep a day. So I have all this extra time that most people don't have. So I'll, I'll be like, oh, I wonder what about hippopotamuses? And I'll like learn <laughs> hippopotamuses or else I'll, I'm like I'm learning e-trading now and all that kind of stuff and and it's just you know something I never would have interest in before but like I've evolved and you my learning has evolved as well and that really changed my perspective in my world as well as like oh I, I don't know everything and I think when you're younger you think you do 
yeah. you think you're like, I got it all figured out because I'm 16 and I know exactly what's going on in the world. <laughs> and then five years later, you're like, what an idiot. <laughs> Sounds like my brother's going through that now, my little brother. Yeah, um, but it's good. Like, I think we all need to do that. Like, we all need to think like that's part of growing up where you're like, I, I know what I need to know. Leave me alone. And then you you go out thinking you know what you need to know and you don't. <laughs> and then life yeah. kicks you in the ass. And yeah. you're like, oh. Um, I think a part of the, my journey for me has been a lot of fun is because I always say that, you know, the greatest moments between my life have happened between action and time. And part of, part of what I do as a storyteller is I'm, I'm constantly teaching lessons. Like that's part of, of what storytellers do. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, I've had to face a lot of like problems. I've actually had to write and create problems that needed to be solved in stories. So I kind of had like a shorthand as far as problem solving because I'm like, oh, I need to create a problem for this person. So I had to examine other people's lives and their problems in order to create that and then learn how to solve it in the same story. So I'm like, oh, I'm teaching myself lessons at the same time as I'm trying to share those lessons with people. So it's been it's been a fun, a fun way to kind of improve myself as I go. Yeah, that's pretty valuable. I, and I, I'm one of those people where I I definitely uh, would base a lot of my um, decisions off of like movies and stuff and like oh my god and, yeah and like actors and I'll be like I'm gonna be like that <laughs> and then just learning from it um, in my own way and I was like I was like I know it's not reality but I was like there's still lessons here and I'm still learning oh my god. it's crazy yeah, it's humans humans have been telling stories for like 50,000 years so if you if you look at that like the reason why they're so valuable, whether it's like in religion or just passing down family stories or making movies about the Terminator, there's a lesson that's being taught. And I always say to people like the best lessons in life come from the movies and the books that we read because that's people like if they're well-written, that's yeah. people suffering. They've gone through stuff. They've experienced loss and, and, and they've had to like fight against tyranny or oppression or what have you and and so when I look at those stories that I've I loved as a filmmaker and, a, and the characters I've like said oh I want to be like that in life um then I, I'm like yeah I, I try to do that too and especially nowadays like you're uh, as a filmmaker my responsibility to tell stories that are that are essential for for growth in in and adversity and um diversity and like so for example uh, I've always tried to be uh, ahead of the time as far as telling stories that are important. Um, 10 years ago, I told a story of the LGBTQ community and um, it wasn't popular at the time. I, I remember bringing that movie to distribution companies and the story was almost predominantly female because you know I've been telling stories about male characters for a long time because I'm a man and that's kind of my experience. Um, and I thought, okay, I got to get out of this comfort zone. I got to tell a story that I don't understand. And I, I had to do a lot of research. And I, I told this story about these all female characters, practically, there's only two male characters, and one of them died in the beginning. So like, it was almost all female characters. And the two main characters, well, the three main characters were lesbians. Mm -hmm. And um, people were like, well, how are you able to tell a story about lesbians when you're not a lesbian? I'm like, well, for one, if I'm trying to tell a diverse story, I have to go out of what I'm used to because I can't grow as a storyteller that way unless I do that. Yeah. And also, these are still 
these are still just human beings. These are stories, falling in love, um, wanting to be accepted, to, to feel like comfortable, to the awakening of like your emotions of sexuality and, and romance and love and, and commitment. And all those things are the same, whether you're, you're LGBTQ or you're straight or, you know, it's uh, mixed race. None of that matters. What matters is the human element behind it. And I, I think that's, you know, you know, the thing that will tie us all together and really get us past all this stupidity of like prejudice and racism and, and like gender inequality and all that kind of stuff. I can't change my gender. I can't change my sexuality. But what I can do is try to tell stories that involves everybody. And as a filmmaker, it's so exciting when I, I meet an actor who I've never like, um, just in the last 10 years, I started working with a lot of like Arab and Muslim and and new actors who have come here, refugees that have come to this this nation, and I I work with them. I'm like, well, I, I wrote this, but how would you say it? Don't worry about saying it the way I wrote it. How would you convey this message to me? And so I'm learning how that person's voice would be heard without putting them in this position where I'm like, I've written a character, you must play that character that person is actually speaking in the, in the voice that they have in my story, but at the same time, they're telling it the way that they would tell it. So it's, it's been kind of an adventure that way. And it's, it's been a learning curve. And, you know, like, obviously I'm not always going to be perfect at it, but it's funny. Cause like I said, I went to a distribution company 10 years ago with my movie, the LGBTQ one. And the first thing that the woman said was, well, it seems kind of exploitative that these girls are kissing girls. I'm like, it's a movie about lesbians. Like, how do I get around that? And she's like, well, I'm not anti-gay. I'm like, well, then prove it. Like, tell the, help me tell this story. And so it's just like that kind of a learning curve uh, for the entire industry is this, this like exciting kind of thing to push forward. And, you know, like I have a lot of actors who are coming to me and like young women, gay uh, members of my, my like circle who are like, I want to tell a story. And they're like, should I tell like a story about me being gay? I'm like, 100%, like, don't hold back. This is your time. This is the, the avant-garde of like trying new things. And, and like white male filmmakers are a dime a dozen. Like, I'm not like gonna stand out anymore. I'm actually going to become the type of uh, filmmaker that people are gonna be bored of unless I put other voices in and let them tell their stories. So. That's really what I've been kind of trying to do as well. And like, even in my vampire series, um, I'm telling a story that takes place in the, the fifth and the eighth century. And that kind of like, you can't tell an LGBTQ story at the time, the same way you would tell it now. Mm. So I'm really trying to tell that story with, with gay and lesbian and all those people involved, but still treat it honestly where they have to, you know, hide what they are. And, and, you know, a lot of people are still facing those kind of like limitations, but like really kind of tell it in that, in that same stream, but do it in a medieval, early medieval wow. period. So, you know, you can still be honest with it and still inclusive, but you have to, you still have to be honest the way you tell your story. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a hard thing, but like at the same time, anything worth doing is hard. Yeah, like you got to face those obstacles, and I'm gonna screw up. I'm gonna. I'm sure 
I'm going to do it wrong. And somebody from the LGBTQ community is going to get mad at me because I'm trying to tell a story that I don't have a right to really tell because I'm not in that community, but I'm trying to be a part of that community. I'm trying to, to say, I want to share your voice. And if you can't, you don't have a platform to share that voice from yet, maybe you can jump on my platform and, and at least be a, a voice in that platform. Um, my mentor, the guy who took a chance on me and helped me become the filmmaker that I am, he's gay. And, um, you know, like I, I, I never think of him as a, a gay man. I think of him as just like the guy I look up to, this guy who has like shown me how to be a better person as well as a better businessman and as a, uh, a better human being in general. So like, um, yeah, like you, you just gotta, you gotta try to push yourself into areas you're not comfortable with. And that's what I'm trying to do as a filmmaker and storyteller is to say, you know what? I, I don't know what it's like to be a black woman or uh, a Muslim uh, man, or, but I'm, I'm gonna try to give you a voice and try to include you in a, in a genre that rarely does. Yeah. You know I mean, like how many vampire stories have Muslim characters in it, unless they're the bad guys, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Can't think of any, like, yeah, yeah it's, it's stereotypically impossible to find. And so I'm really trying to like say, oh yeah, there's, there's a spot for LGBTQ in the vampire series. There's a spot for um, people from the Asian community or the, the Muslim community. And I, and I treat each of those things, even though predominantly the vampire series is written with a Christian theme. Yeah. I really went back over the last 10 years and changed the way that it's viewed so that um, that religion in a whole, it doesn't matter if you're Muslim or you're, you're Christian or you're Jewish or, or whatever your, your beliefs are, the, the divine stream that pushes good, it's the same in all religions. And it's, it's not like this, oh, our way or the highway kind of thing. I know I've kind of went off on this weird tangent, but like, I think, I think like being responsible as a storyteller is this thing that's always going to evolve. You know, like the Me Too movement is this powerful thing that happened a few years ago. And although it's not on the forefront now, I'm always encouraging women to write scripts and, and be directors and like actors who have never directed before. I'm like, just do it nobody can stop you from doing it just and the beauty thing is the gatekeepers that existed 10 years ago with the lgbtq community like with the distribution companies that's all fallen away we have youtube we have instagram you can be a filmmaker and make 30 second movies like it doesn't matter go out there make your movie put it out to the world let the universe decide if it's crap or not and yeah. while you're waiting make more movies yeah yeah, just yeah. keep going, keep putting things out there. And that's the cool thing that is like, you don't have to go and like get signed. You can just go to YouTube <laughs> and put it out there. Be like, look at my stuff. Uh, how many how many TikTokers are multimillionaires now because they just did their thing? Yeah. They, it, Remember, it, it, um, what was that? Give your shot, shoot your shot. Yeah, like what do you got to lose? Yeah. Be embarrassed? Yeah, everybody's embarrassed at one point. But who knows? Like, if you don't have a chance unless you take a chance. Yes, exactly. In the opportunities come to people who match their opportunities with um, the preparedness, you know, just yeah. prepare yourself, have the things, have the content, be like, and then maybe one day you just walk across, walk across the street, meet somebody who's just like the person you were meant to meet. And they're asking you if you have any footage. You're like, well, yeah, actually I have, I have a YouTube page. 
check out my YouTube page. Boom, there you exactly. go. Exactly. You know, it's funny because like I went to, uh, I actually, when I, when I was at kind of like a crossroads in my film career, I was trying to figure out why I was not getting ahead the way that I stereotypically should be getting ahead in Hollywood and, and thinking that there was, there was a, a certain level that I had to get to. Uh, now I don't care about that. I get to make my movies. I'm happy. I want to be successful financially, of course, um, but um, that's not my driving force. My driving force is to keep doing the thing I love. But I actually took three years off from making movies to study the business side of things. And um, like you meet so many like people who have ideas and I would go to these distribution companies and I would show them all the movies that I had made. And they would be like, you've actually made stuff. Because everybody comes to us with just ideas and that's where they go. I'm like, well, yeah, like I, I'm not the kind of person to sit still. I want to get up in the morning. If I have an idea, I go out and try it. And I failed countless times. Like I, people will tell you, some of my early movies were just bad. But every now and then there was a gem. And people were like, oh, that was so funny. I shot this one movie um, when I was finishing the actors group. It's called Pine Box Fast. And it, it was like, I was sick of like working with people who were like quitting and not really putting an effort into it. And I was like ready to just make movies with the people I wanted to make movies with. And the ones that were dedicated and hardworking and, and passionate about what they were doing. And so I wrote a feature film and we planned to shoot it from Friday morning to Monday night. I had no money to do it. We shot it for $200. I had 15 actors in it and we shot nonstop from the day we started to the day we finished. I had half a million dollars in hot rod cars because I went to AMW the Thursday night before shooting and said, who wants to show off their car in a movie? I had people lined up. So we shot this movie. It was, I slept four of 96 hours. I lost my voice in the first day of shooting. It was crazy, but we kept going and we had so much fun. The, the bond that these 15 actors and I had together was, it's lasted for years. I, I spoke at some of their weddings. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was just this incredible thing that, that we had a movie theater screening of it. We sold out every screening. People begged for a, a sequel. So I'm like, well, everybody dies in it. We had to do a prequel. And last two years ago, no, in 2015, we shot the pilot for a TV series that I'm constantly pitching. Uh, so it's like, you just got to go out there and try it. Uh, it's like Ferris Bueller always says, some, it, that's how you become great. No, no, sorry, Jerry Maguire. That's how you become great. Hang your balls out there. Yeah, <laughs> you just gotta do it. You gotta, you gotta take the chance. Otherwise, yeah. you're gonna be kicking yourself when you're 90, going, "I should have lived the life." Yeah. Always look for a way to beef up your obituary. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, just get out there and try new things, and just know that you can do hard things. It'll seem hard, but just yeah. do it. It gets easier, or it doesn't, and you move on. Like yeah, who cares? You just, you just keep going. Though that's the thing is like, don't let a setback set you back. Um, let it propel you forward. Yeah, and you don't have to be good at everything. I remember uh, uh, one time I was in a skating race and I, I came home with a ribbon for fifth place. And my mother was like, oh my God, that's so great. I'm like, there's only four other people. <laughs> I came dead last. <laughs> I suck at skating. I don't know how to play hockey, but like I tried it. You know what I mean? Like it didn't yeah. matter, but like I just, it wasn't for me. And so you move on, but like, yeah, it's, it's okay to fail. It's all right. That's hilarious. Um, so I got a couple extra questions for you and yeah, um, they're a little more random, but I want Good. you to answer them freely. Do your thing. 
So what is the biggest problem that you think needs solving that you're the most passionate about? In the world, you mean? Yeah, just in general. Oh my gosh, biggest problem. Ooh, that's a, that's a serious one. Um, I think right now, like currently in this day and age, I think misinformation is probably one of the most destructive forces I've ever seen in my entire life. I've, I've experienced a lot of stuff, but there are so many people who will take just a piece of information that passes in front of them as gospel or truth without researching it, without looking into it, without even questioning it. Mm -hmm. Every now and then I'll see a TikTok where somebody will make this fake claim where they, they go on like it's real. And it always brings me back to the, the commercial that the Canadians will know this. I don't know if you have an international audience or not, but the house hippo. Do you remember the house hippo? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like the CG, early CG graphics of this tiny little hippo that like lives in your closet and comes out, meets dust bunnies and all this stuff <laughs> and droppings off the table. And it was really well done to the point where people like, careful what you watch because it might not be real. And, and nowadays, especially this misinformation, if like, you know, this, all these fact checkers that are constantly moving around now, people are like questioning the fact checkers and, and it's just like, yeah, we, and how do you, how do you police it? Do you police free speech? Like you can't, like, it's, it's such a complicated and complex issue that I, I don't have a solution, but if we could find a solution, like that's one of the things, like the internet is amazing. I love it. Like I met you through the internet. Yes. Um, I met a lot of people through the internet. I've learned so much. Like now, if I want to learn something, I don't ever think of buying a book or going to college. I go online and 400,000 people are teaching it. And it's amazing. Like that's kids in Africa who would normally be forbidden from learning certain things now have access to knowledge. And I think that's like, what's going to save us as a race. But this weed of misinformation has come in and I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I'm afraid. Like, I'm not afraid of AI like um, Elon Musk is. I'm afraid of misinformation because the pandemic has brought out the conspiracy theorists like I've never seen. And I, I always consider myself somewhat of a conspiracy theorist. I shot a movie based around conspiracy theory um but i think it's cool terrifying. it could be cool and but um but i think like my sister even mentioned when i asked her about conspiracy theory she said if it is a conspiracy theory it has to say that this is not real <laughs> like it's a theory yeah pre pre thing that they're about to say but like by the way this is not real this is all in my head um here's my conspiracy yeah. theory and you know what it's funny because like I entertained it when I was doing research. I did a show called I Terrorist about a bunch of hackers that like kind of wage war on secret societies and all this kind of stuff. And I'm actually looking to like get the show out there and revamp it again. Um, but I did a lot of research and I found that even just doing a little bit of homework or challenging the people who are making these claims, you didn't have to push very hard to find out that they were either making it up or they didn't have actual any real evidence there's a part of Joe, have you ever seen the Joe Rogan episode where he's going around trying to find Bigfoot? And every time he goes to somebody who says they have proof, they're like, I found this stick and it was broken. I'm like, that's not proof. No, that's not proof. <laughs> Scratchings on a log is not proof. 
Proof is you have Bigfoot in a cage. Yeah. That's proof. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so like people's idea of evidence is like very different than mine is, I guess, but I don't know. It's, no, it's, it's interesting. Very true. That's a great answer. Um, and that's a, that's a really good one. Next question. If you met the version of yourself from 10 years ago, what would you tell them? Stop worrying about what people think. Yes. I found that that was one of the biggest fears. Like I, I you know, like, how many people don't talk to the person they're attracted to? How many people uh, don't wear the clothes they want to wear, buy the car they want to buy, or spend the money the way they want to spend it, or or live the life that they want to live? Like I, I met a man when I was running the actors group. He was ninety years old from India. He wanted to act since he was a boy. He had never tried it. Everyone he knew had died, so he had nothing left to lose. And it just broke my heart because here was this man who had waited his whole life and he was amazing. Oh. He was an amazing actor. And I thought you could have been living the life you wanted to all those years ago if you just didn't care what your parents thought or what your friends thought, or you, were, you didn't care if people laughed at you making a mistake. So I'd say to myself 10 years ago, don't worry about what other people think, just do the thing you love. And it, you'd be surprised, like it's, it's funny, when I started really stopping worrying about that stuff, people would flock to me and say, you're so inspiring. I, I want to do that too. I can't believe like you're doing the thing you want to do. And, and like, it's funny because we all want to fit in, but we're the most attracted to the people who stand out. Yes. And so just stand out, be yourself. That's all that, like, it's going to make you happy and people are going to like commemorate you for it. When I was homeless, I said that I almost gave in uh, during a little earlier when I was saying that. And I was at, I was at work, I was working in a place called Heinzel's, the supermarket drugstore. I don't think they exist anymore. If they do, it's very, very one store. And I was, I was so ready to go home. It was so cold. I didn't want to go back out in the cold. And I remember this cashier, Don Armour. If you're out there, Don, this changed my life. Um, I walked up to, I was buying a root beer. That was my dinner for the night. And um, she's like, are you still homeless? And I'm like, yeah, I'm still homeless. And she's like, you're my hero. And I was like, what? I'm your hero? I'm homeless. I'm drinking a bottle of root beer. I'm a loser. Like I really thought myself as a loser. And she's like, I would never have the balls to do what you're doing right now. I would, I just let my parents walk all over me. They forced me to do the things I don't like to do. And at that point I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, I can't give up now. Like you just made it so that if I give up, I am the loser. So like, like you just gotta, you just gotta go out and do it. Just you'd be surprised who you inspire as you do it. And I'm not saying do things to inspire people. I'm saying do things because you love doing it. It's like for example, if you look at Dungeons and Dragons, thirty years ago, if you did that, you were made fun of. Like how many things in TV and and feature films and all that kind of they make fun of Dungeons and Dragons. Now you're the cool kid for playing Dungeons and Dragons. You're the filmmaker who makes stranger things. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. the world changes. Eventually you will be the cool kid. Just do the thing you love doing. Yeah, exactly. I love that. That's the coolest thing ever. Great answer. Awesome. Um, <laughs> one thing that you wish was never invented. Oh boy. That's a tough one. I would, I would say something like, 
see, it's more of a personal thing because of my experience and my family and the struggles. I've, I've never tasted alcohol, like never in my entire life. I've never done drugs. I've never smoked. I learned the lessons from my parents before I made those mistakes. And I think alcohol is a very destructive force in this world. Um, I think if we didn't have it, you know, like I, I understand like you know, a lot of people, artists are creative when they're drinking and, and all this kind of stuff. But I think it's actually way more destructive. And I, I don't smoke pot, but I'm not against that kind of stuff. Like, I, I think if you smoke pot, that's good for you. You know, pot smokers very rarely have ever hurt anybody that I know of. Um, um, but I know there's a lot of destruction that comes from drinking and alcohol. And so I think if I could eliminate alcohol, it'd be a very interesting like alternate universe to observe, to say, hey, how, how well have we done without being drunk? Yeah, yeah. no, that it permanently shrinks your brain. Like there's a lot of things that go wrong when you drink. Yeah, um, so I, I say, yeah, let's, let's take away alcohol and see what happens. Yeah, maybe yeah. for the better. <laughs> No, of course, I always think about like removing something like that. And I think of that episode of The Simpsons where Homer has that toaster that goes back in time and he accidentally kills a dinosaur and the whole world changes. That one, have you seen it? I don't know. I'm not sure. No, I don't think I saw that one, but... Um... He just keeps going back in time and trying to, to fix the mistakes he makes. And at so... one point he goes back and is like, he's got a luxury car. His kids are well-behaved. His wife is happy. And he's like, what about donuts? And she's like, what's a donut? And he's like, oh, and he goes back in time and it turns out it's raining and it's raining donuts. So it was like the perfect world. So yeah, don't, don't mess with the past, but like, yeah, alcohol is, I guess, my answer. <laughs> that's awesome. And so um, that's basically most of the questions I have, but I want you now to just take the stage for anything you want to say, like um, if there's anybody, if you're trying to like pitch something, go on ahead, um, something you're working on that you just want people to look into, check out and where people okay. can find you. Sure, well, um, visit my webpage, sign up for newsletters if you wanna find out about my shows and, and especially the Vampire series where we were three weeks away from being done when COVID hit. So we had to stop shooting and because of season change, uh, we, had to, we have to wait to fall now to finish the last three weeks of shooting. We're filming a couple days here and there, but like we'll be done shooting in the fall. But please go check out our YouTube channel, watch our trailers like and share if you can I, I know not everybody's big into vampires but like at the very least share it with people uh who are because i'm sure everyone knows someone who loves vampires um but yeah like just uh go out and, and support your independent artists uh rent the movies that they make i know they're not the best movies all the time but like we're also working with the most primitive tools we don't have hollywood financially backing us where we can just throw a million dollars at something that doesn't work um, we're creative, we're, we're ingenuitive, we're doing our best, we're putting our hearts and passions into these projects. So, you know, at least rent our movies, watch us, come to the theater or, or when the theater's open again, or, uh, you know, go online and watch, support your YouTube audiences and your uh, creators and stuff like that. So yeah, please support us. Uh, www.11entertainment.com, it's E-11-E-V-E-N instead of the E-L-E-V-E-N. And uh, yeah. And that's that's pretty much it nice on okay so i will be linking all of those below um where everybody can find that content and yes make sure you check it out i'm gonna check it out definitely because it, i'm excited just listening to you talk about it um awesome. it's really cool well i, I do want to say thank you so much for you know taking the time to do this podcast with me i haven't actually done a lot of presenting in a long time and i, I feel like COVID has kind of like put us all in this weird little bubble where we're 
trying to figure out, do we get out of this bubble or is this bubble good now? And I think uh, a lot of it's a combination of both, but like, um, it's nice to, to sit down and talk to people about what we do. And, and I appreciate you, you having a platform for us to do that. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to watch more of your shows. I, I, I like what I've seen so far. So, um, yeah, keep doing what you're doing because you're, you're helping people out. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, it was great. It was great talking to you. You're very interesting. Um, and I feel like <laughs> there's so much more that we could dive into and in, like, you know, in the future. Um, maybe yeah, maybe we could do a, a vampire series like a feature about what the show is about and what the characters are about. I'd love to do that if you want to do a follow up. That'd be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I would. So yeah, we'll keep in touch. And yeah, so all my doozy days peeps, um, make sure you check out Alan and with that being said, I'm going to end this off the way I end these off all the time. And that is, I want you to stay in motion, to stay in gratitude, stay in expansion, act with intention, be consistent and focus on the goal. And remember, it's not just about achieving the goal, but it's who you become on the way. So keep good company and enjoy the ride. Well said. Yeah. All right. Thank you.